0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to Guest Friday, a not-your-average Boston sports podcast. I am your host, Garrett Hayden. As always, you can listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. And you can follow our social pages on Twitter and on Facebook for the latest updates. want to uh, welcome you all to uh, our first Guest Friday of the new year. It is a uh, mailbag edition of Guest Friday. I've done this uh, plenty of times before on the podcast, so thought I'd start 2023 with uh, some questions from the listeners, and uh, boy, do we have a lot of good questions this week. Really looking forward to it, so uh, I think we're going to get right into it. Um, got questions from about six or seven different people, um, a lot of good questions, uh, mostly Patriots, Bruins, Celtics. There is a, a Red Sox question as well, so... Uh, without further ado, let's get right into it. Uh, Jack Drew, one of my good friends, uh, submitted a couple of Bruins questions. Um, so his first question was, do you think the way the Bruins are using Mark and Swayman... Or <laughs> read the question wrong. Do you think the way the Bruins... <laughs> do you think the Bruins are using Mark and Swayman well at this point in the season? I don't know why I copied that question wrong, but... Basically, do you think the Bruins are using both goalies well at this point in the season? So I've spoken about this plenty of times um, on the podcast, and um, I think it's a good question because I think it's something that I've brought up plenty of times this year that, you know, I don't think the Bruins are using them badly. Um, I'll just say that. I don't think it's been poor. You know, I think Jim Montgomery has kind of used the adage of who's hot, and you know, Olmark's been the hottest goalie in the NHL this entire season. You know, you look at the numbers: twenty-one, one and one. You know, you could, you could. Those are video game numbers, essentially. So, you know, I think what the Bruins are doing is riding the hot hand. You know, Olmark getting the majority of the starts. Um, you know, you look at the starts this season by goaltenders. Bruins have played thirty-eight games. Well, Mark has started 24 games, Swayman started 13, then they had Keith Kincaid start a game earlier in the season. So you know, if you look at that split, it's basically a two-thirds. If my math is correct, I think it's it's I think it's about two-thirds um, of the games that Olmark's playing and, you know, I think that, yes, he's been playing excellent this season. I think my concern is, you know, once you get deeper into the season, you know, is he going to have issues where maybe he slows down because the rate that he's playing games, it's the highest rate he's ever played games in his career. So, you know, I think you wonder about that. You know, I think Swayman's a player that, you know, I think has had tough games this year. Um, But I really think that it's because of the... You know, kind of infrequent starts that he's getting. You know, he was basically splitting the net last year 50 50. And, you know, I think playing a third of the games definitely has an effect that he's not as fresh as maybe he was last season, getting to play a lot more often. You know, and I think it's just kind of the way it's gone. I don't think I would say that they're using them poorly. You know, I think that they're using them well enough because Allmark's, you know, been unbelievable. He's been so good that you really don't have any concerns when you put him into games. You know, I think Swayman's been playing better recently, but I think, you know, the Bruins have just been playing the hot hand, um, which I think is probably the easiest way to, to answer that question. So uh, Jack's second question was a two-part question. Um, and so the first part of this, would you like to see guys like uh, Fabian lysell and John Beecher get time with the big boys come this spring, so oh, I'm sorry I read that poorly again Um, so the two part question is, would you like to see guys like Lysol and Beecher get time with the big boys come this spring, or would you not want to mess with the mojo of this current roster so I think personally I would like to see both of those guys get some time with the Bruins you know, I think that for one of those guys, at least, or maybe both of those guys, you could see them getting games at the very end of the season, you know, when the Bruins have clinched a playoff spot and, you know, are kind of resting guys. I think you could see the both of them play. And I think I would like to see that because I think Lysell's skill set really translates well to the NHL. He's been a point per game player in the AHL. um, And I think, you know, really high level skill kind of had a disappointing showing at the world juniors. But, you know, things like that happen with young players. And I think he's a guy that plays with a lot of skill and plays with a lot of speed. And I think he could definitely get a look. And I think that, you know, as we're recording this on Friday morning, Jake DeBrusque is out for about a month with the uh, fracture in his leg. Um, So I think Lyselp could possibly even slot in soon, you know, like within the month. I think if the Bruins think that, you know, they need to bring someone else in to kind of give them a jump offensively, um, you know, you could see him getting some time. You know, Beecher, I think, is a guy that probably doesn't play significant minutes for the Bruins this year unless there's a serious injury. Um, you know, he's been pretty decent at the, um, AHL level, you know, not as much of a skill player as Lysell is, uh, but I think he's a guy that I think his game translates well to the NHL level. He can play with speed. He can play with some physicality. Um, so I think I would be open to either of those guys getting time. You know, I think that this Bruins roster is pretty flexible in terms of, you know, bringing in new guys or different guys. You know, it's not like, I don't think that the mindset would change. Um, You know, I think that this is a team that is very professional and they really, honestly, I mean, I don't want to say don't care who's playing, but I think that it's such a good environment that, you know, they can kind of withstand anything, whether a player gets hurt or a player gets traded or, you know, a player gets brought up from Providence. Like, I think you're not really going to see much change, but um, I think to answer the question, I would like to see both of those guys get some time with the Bruins this spring, whether it's, you know, an end-of-the-season game or, you know, perhaps it's a playoff game. You know, you never know if someone like, Lysel could bring you a Tyler Sagan-like effect um, that the Bruins had when they went on their cup run in 2011 that, you know, Sagan was a kid that played a lot in that playoff run and played really well. So you could see something like that, you know, but I do think that both of them do make their NHL debuts um, this season. Lysel probably more than Beecher, but I wouldn't be surprised um, if both of them get in. So now we're gonna move on to a couple of Patriot questions that uh, my dad uh, wanted me to answer. So his first question um, is: Mac Jones still with the Patriots in five years? Now this is probably the most the, the most interesting question that um, I've kind of been been thinking about for the last couple of days, and so I think that it's. Hard to judge him right now as to, you know, where he'll be in five years. You know, I think um, he, after this season, has two more years left on his rookie deal um, and then has a fifth-year option. So in five years, 2027, he would, you know, be into his second contract, whether that's with the Patriots or not. So to be honest, I've gone back and forth on this a lot. Because I think, you know, he has a good skill set and I think has the tools to be a successful quarterback. You know, I just don't know if you judge some of these, you know, quarterbacks that have gotten these big, you know, guaranteed money, big deals, that is Mac Jones going to want one of those deals after his rookie deal is up? Now, I think. Things could change in three years. You kind of don't really know how he's going to do in the next couple of years. You know, you would hope that they can bring in an offensive coordinator and have some stability at that spot. And that particular person, whoever it is, can last for a couple of seasons. And it lasts for a couple of seasons. And you can see what Matt can really do with, someone like that so i would say yes that he'll still be with the patriots you know i think that the advantages of right now is he's not making a lot of money and so you know you you probably want to keep you know your quarterback on a team-friendly deal for as long as possible and then the question becomes you know what is mac thinking in terms of money you know clearly he will want to get paid. Clearly, I think if things, if he progresses the way that we think, I think that he would want to stay here. You know, I can't imagine that he's going to be someone who is going to, you know, want out. You know, I think unless things are really challenging for him or the offense, then maybe there's a change. But I think if you can get, someone like bill o'brien to come in and coach this offense and be with him for a couple of years i think that the likelihood is he would want to stick he would want to stick around so i think i'll say yes um you know it's just uh, hard to know yeah it's really hard to know but i think my gut tells me yes that he will be playing under a second contract with the patriots um, in five years. Um, and another question, um, from my dad is Bill Belichick still coaching the Patriots in five years. Now that I think is a way more complex question. Um, because I think, I think just knowing Bill and knowing him for, for how we've known him as his fans and whoever that, um, he still wants to coach, you know, and I think, You can't really see him stepping away anytime soon. You know, but I thought about this, that I think the only way that he steps away is if he feels that the team is in good hands. You know, if someone like Kraft thinks that the Bruins or Patriots are in good hands, if they have someone who can be that next head coach, you know, whoever it may be, you know, I think that that's probably a, situation where you could see him stepping away if things are in a good spot. Now, I think, you know, Mac Jones might have a little bit to do with that, that, you know, if he does stay on past his rookie contract and presumably is playing well enough at the quarterback spot, you know, you could think that, okay, he sees that Mac Jones is developed enough that you know, he can feel comfortable in moving on. Um, But I think it really just depends on Bill, you know, how many more years does he want to be doing this? And I think it's something that I think the Patriots are definitely going to need to monitor over the next couple of years. Um, So, you know, very interested to see how that works, but um, I would, I think just to answer the question, I think I might say no, I think I might say no. And I think that will he be coaching another team? No, I think he will retire in the next five years. Cause I think he's, you know, in his early seventies and I think, you know, at some point the coaching is going to have to stop. You know, I think that the Patriots as a franchise, I think are going to need to, you know, I don't want to say move on at some point, but I think recognize that, okay, maybe it makes sense to start thinking about that, that process of, you know, kind of grooming that next head coach. And I think you could see that happen as soon as, you know, maybe it's already happened, maybe it's already started, who knows. Um, But I think that, it's hard, you know. It's really hard, but um, I think my gut tells me that he will retire within five years, um, and I think, I think definitely, it will be even more of a no if Mac Jones continues to stay with this team, um, and continues to play at a high at a, you know, somewhat high level. You know, then I think he would feel comfortable stepping away from the team. But obviously, you never know. So I think that that's going to be really interesting. It's a great question. Uh, We're going to move on a couple of other uh, football questions from my mother. Um, And so her first question is, um, how does the Damar Hamlin situation affect players? So, you know, clearly, we spoke about this earlier in the week. And uh, throughout the week, um, Damar has made tremendous improvements um, over the last few days and actually literally just this moment got a uh, bleacher report notification that he has um, begun speaking with his family. His breathing tubes tubes have been removed. So, you know, I think he's looking like he is going to come out of this um, and be and, and survive, you know, which is really kind of amazing. You know, when you look at the way that the medical personnel and you know the team at the uh, university of cincinnati medical center have come together um to you know save his life you know it's really really amazing and it goes to show you that you know those people are very special people and are amazing at what they do so i think to answer this question i think that it affects the players a lot Um, i think that it definitely. I don't want to say creates some fear, but I think it kind of. It kind of reinforces the notion of. You know. You want to make sure that you're taken care of, for the rest of your life playing a sport, and, I think that. Um, or reinforces the notion that it can, like, something like that can be taken away from you so quickly, you know, and I think that it affects the players that, you know, it kind of is, you know, there's definitely some fear, but I think there's also an an aspect to it where I think that you could see, you know, whenever the next collective bargaining agreement is up that the players are, you know, very firmly stanced in making sure the contracts are guaranteed um, because you never know when something like that might happen so i think players wanting to make sure that you know players that they can be taken care of if you know god forbid something like this happens to to them or their family or something like this happens to them so that they can you know take care of themselves and their family and i think you know, someone like Damar who's in his second year, it's, you know, it's not a guarantee that he's making a lot of money. And I think that, you know, there needs to be some type of change with this situation. You know, I don't think that there's really a lot that can be changed from a safety perspective and like a protection perspective, um, because I think the way that I understand the way that the the play happened, it was kind of a, you know, one in a million type of thing that, you know, the helmet of T. Higgins made contact with his chest in such a way that it just was kind of a freak accident, if you will. And I think, um, personally, I feel awful for T. Higgins because I think Um, Just being involved in something like that can really, you know, affect you from a mental perspective. And I think, you know, hopefully players can, players for all teams can be able to get the act, the adequate, you know, resources to be able to, you know, speak with someone, speak with a counselor, speak with a therapist. If, you know, mentally they run into some, some issues. And I think, you know, clearly it's going to affect players. And I think clearly it's going to be on a lot of these players' minds the rest of the season. You know, and I think especially Week 18 and, you know, going into the playoffs, I think that it's a situation that I think is going to be on everyone's mind. Um, So the other question that my mom sent in is, uh, will the Patriots make any coaching changes for next year? So... I think the short answer is yes. You know, I think who they necessarily hire don't really think I can say for sure. However, I think me personally, in a perfect world, the Patriots, you know, bring back Bill O'Brien. He can kind of oversee the offense, you know, call the plays that it kind of is just one person that brings everything together. So I think, That yes, they will make coaching changes. They will bring in an offensive coach to, you know, or, you know, an offensive coordinator has experience on offense that can kind of pull the whole group together. And so I think that is probably the most significant thing that happens. I could definitely see some coaches getting reassigned. Um, I think that Matt Patricia, you know, either he goes back to coaching defense or, the Patriots put him into a, you know, more of a front office role that he keeps the, you know, senior football advisor, you know, tag or whatever it is. Um, I think it's one of those two things. I think for Joe Judge, you know, could go back to special teams, um, you know, could get reassigned. Uh, Cameron Acord, I also think, could get reassigned or possibly let go. The Patriots have had some I've had some issues on special teams this year. So, you know, he could be reassigned. I think that that's possible. You know, it could be interesting if Gerard Mayo takes a head coaching job somewhere. Do the Patriots then need to move someone over to defense? You know, in that in that uh, situation, does Matt Patricia get moved back to defense? Um, I think, you know, not to make a comparison to a different sport, but I think you know, when we talked about the Red Sox and trying to make things easier for your organization, I think the Patriots can do that. And I think the easiest way to do that is bring back Bill O'Brien. He has some experience with the organization, you know, knows Belichick, knows Kraft, and, you know, most importantly knows Mac Jones and is familiar with him and can put him in this situation to be most most successful. So I think that is probably what happens In terms of other, you know, outside hires, I'm not sure. It probably depends on whether Gerard Mayo takes a head coaching job and does he bring any of his assistants with him? You know, who knows? So I think that, yes, there will be changes on the coaching staff. Um, A couple or a question here from um, my good friend Alex Mobosley. He wants to know, uh, do you think the Bruins have a – higher momentum winning the winter classic, going into the West coast trip. So I think um, with the way that the Bruins performed on Monday um, afternoon, you know, I think it does give them a big boost. I think that it, you know, gives them more of a momentum boost than maybe a regular season game would. Um, I think just because of how how special it was, and I think clearly the momentum has worked. Bruins win last night in, in Los Angeles, 5-2. to two, is was a really good third-period performance. So, you know, I think that, yeah, they do have a, you know, a larger bit of momentum than they would in maybe a regular game, you know, on Monday afternoon. So, um, and clearly, you know, it worked. The momentum definitely uh, carried over, so... Um, A couple of questions from um, Evan Griesink, who's been on the pod before. Um, Alex has also been on the pod before. Um, And so Evan's first question is, what is the ceiling for the Patriots if they make the playoffs? So I think maybe we talked about this briefly earlier in the week, but I think probably the ceiling for the Patriots is, you know, Maybe a first round upset, you know, but it's like everything is going to have to be perfect in that situation. I think that the opponent, you know, kind of kind of matters Um, if it's Cincinnati, if it's Kansas City, if it's Buffalo, you know, I think if it's Buffalo, they're probably the least likely to beat that team. But you looked at the way Kansas City has played against some bad teams this year. Houston took them to overtime a couple of weeks ago. You know, they went down to the wire against Denver last week. So I think the Patriots, if they do, you know, what they do best, which is create turnovers on defense, don't turn the ball over on offense, you know, ride Ramondre Stevenson, you could feasibly see them pulling an upset. You know, I'm not saying that it's likely, not at all, but I think... If you go into Kansas City or if you go into Cincinnati, you know, you get to their quarterback, you force them into mistakes, which obviously is easier said than done. But we've seen this defense be able to make plays and score touchdowns. And I think Mac Jones and the offense has looked a little bit better recently. They're not turning the ball over. You know, yeah, they're not making, you know, explosive plays or whatever you want to say. But I think that if they you know, control the clock, control the ground game, they could pull an upset. You know, I think that that is probably the ceiling, the absolute best case scenario, that they pull off an upset in the first round. But I don't think that that's incredibly likely um, because I think that I still am not wild about their chances to make the playoffs, you know, based on who they're playing this weekend. So um, we'll see, though. Um, Evan also asked, at this point in the NBA season, do you think Joe Missoula is set to keep his job for next season? This is probably the most difficult question I've gotten this week. Uh, It's hard because I think that he has done an exceptional job. I think that the players love him. And I think, you know, have performed incredibly well this season you know, 27-12 after the win last night against the Mavericks. And I think, you know, who knows what's going to happen. You know, Ima Idouka still, you know, with the one-year suspension and it's really hard to know, you know, what happens at the end of the season. Um, I would say that based on the way the Celtics have played, I would say, you know, that yes, I think Joe keeps his job next year. You know, I think that you know, once the suspension for Ime Udoka goes through, you know, then the Celtics maybe just get rid of him somehow. You know, I don't know how that's going to work exactly, but I think that Joe's done a fantastic job, and I think that, you know, a lot of kudos goes to the players for, you know, having to deal with that situation at the beginning of the season, having to stay focused and power through, and, you know, 27-12 and 12 is a fantastic spot to be, um, so I think... All signs point to yes, that Joe Missoula will be, you know, keeping his job next season. So a couple, a number of Celtics questions here. A couple from my younger brother Carter. So he wants to know, uh, how can the Celtics find a way to get back on track? So, you know, it's the time of this taping, the Celtics, or time, time of this recording, I should say, uh, Celtics come off a pretty, pretty good win last night against Dallas you know I think that uh, the way that they played last night um, and the way that they moved the ball around offensively um, and the way that they competed on defense that's exactly what you want to see from a team that is kind of dealing with a little bit of a of a slump and I think you know (laughs) not to answer the question directly but I think that game last night. That's exactly how they get back on track. Jason Tatum, phenomenal. Second triple-double, triple-double of his career. Um, And I think, you know, the stretch that Carter's referring to is kind of the uh, six, I think think that's the six and six stretch over the last 12 games that they've kind of been, you know, up and down, you know, lost some games. I would say, though, that they're more back on track recently, you know, with wins in five of their last seven, um, as they had previously lost five of six. Um, so I think it's, you know, playing the way, playing playing the right way on offense, moving the ball around, making, you know, creating wide-open looks for other guys. The Celtics did a tremendous job of driving and kicking last night. Um, and so I think it's just... Being able to do that, being able to compete defensively, um, I think a lot of it has to do with mindset that I think, you know, the Celtics are sometimes coming into games where they're not taking the opponent as seriously as they should. You know, and I think that that was evident on Tuesday night against the Thunder, in which I don't really think the Celtics brought the requisite effort um, in that game. And I think just having the correct mindset having the correct mindset that you're going to come into a game and you're going to set the tone. You know, you're going to be the aggressor. You're not going to let another team be the aggressor. And I think obviously when you're playing on the road, that's easier said than done because I think oftentimes a home team welcoming in the, you know, defending Eastern conference champions easier for them to, you know, get up, get up for a game like that. So, you know, I think it's again, like I said, moving the ball with purpose on offense, and you know, playing hard nosed defense, which is exactly what they is exactly what they did last night. So, you know, you hope that that continues. There's kind of a trap game on Saturday coming up against the Spurs. You know, you hope the Celtics can have that same mentality that they had uh last night in Dallas. So Carter's second question. Can Peyton Pritchard be a player playing 10 minutes per game and sufficiently help the team win games? So this is a tough question. Uh, tough in the sense that I don't think a lot of people are going to like the answer. Um, I think personally um I can't see him playing 10 minutes a night. You know, I know that this season he is quite literally averaging 10 minutes a game. Um, But I just think that you look at the way this Celtics team is built with the guards that they have. You know, Brogdon, Smart, Derek White, all three of those guys can handle the basketball and run an offense. And it's not to say that Peyton can't do that because we've seen him do that. And I think that he has great skill and I think you know I just I just can't see him being a player that consistently can get 10 minutes every night because you know you look at the last 10 games for example he's only played six and a half minutes or that that's the minutes that he's averaged over the last 10 games and it's just I don't know if I really see him being able to get you know 10 minutes per night because 10 minutes is a lot of time. Um, And I think when you consider the guards that the Celtics have, it's just he's kind of just caught behind some guys. Um, Now, he is a player that can absolutely help the team win. You know, he's a guy that we've seen at spots over the last two years, you know, regular season and playoffs, be able to come in and make an impact. You know, knock down threes, play aggressively, get to the basket, you know, be a scrappy defender. And I think he does have the skill to be an NBA player. You know, we know that he's a, he is a good player. And I think, you know, does he get a larger opportunity with another team? He probably does. You know, I think that wouldn't be surprised, you know, if he's someone that gets traded um, at the trade deadline, you know, it, it would stink. But I think just in terms of his, him being able to have an opportunity. I just don't know if it's here, you know, I don't know if he can be a player that can consistently get 10 minutes a night, you know, just not sure if that's gonna be possible for him. Um, So we have a number of Celtics questions uh, from the uh, next person that submitted questions, uh, Derek Welch. So three questions about the Celtics uh, the first is a two part question. And the, uh, what do you think is the major issue with the few games the Celtics have been losing? Does it have anything to do with Joe Mazzulla? So, you know, mentioned it briefly with Carter's first question. I think the major issue is the mindset. And I think the Celtics have gone into some games, you know, with some complacency. You know, I think it was pretty obvious Tuesday night, the Thunder playing without Shea Gilchrist Alexander, clearly their best player, you know, he misses the game. And the thought is, OK, the Celtics are going to dominate. And I think, unfortunately, that was kind of their mindset that they thought, OK, their best player isn't playing. You know, we don't have to play as hard. And they think, you know, I think that that's concerning um, when you're playing some teams like that where... The Celtics have lost some games this year against teams that are not very good. Um, and I think that the mindset needs to be every single game that a team that you are playing is going to come in with the mindset of, we are playing the defending Eastern Conference champions. We need to bring it. And I think that sometimes the Celtics don't meet that same mindset that these teams are going to be gunning for us we're not going to let them set the tone. And I think the Celtics have let that kind of get away from them in some of these games that they've lost, that they've not taken games as seriously as they should. And I think, you know, that's not every single game, but I think some of the other games they've lost, they've had this mindset of, you know, when their shots don't fall, they kind of revert back to the team that they were in the first half of last season where they just stop moving the ball, you know, stop playing offense the way that they need to. And I think it's really just kind of a mindset thing. And I think, you know, yeah, can, can the coach do a job to keep them motivated? Absolutely. But I also think, you know, this is a core group of players in smart Brown and Tatum that have been together For, you know, over five, over five years, all three of them have been together for four or five years. And I think they need to be able to set the tone for the team. And yes, is it the coach's job in some way to motivate the team? Absolutely. But I also think that, you know, Missoula is a coach where he's just going to tell the guys that, you know, you know, the way that you need to play. And, you know, yes, he can give them some encouragement. He can give them some motivation. But I think that this particular group, it's kind of more more on the players that, you know, they need to come in and they need to play with effort. They need to be able to take opponents seriously. And I think, you know, sure, does some of that fall on the coach? Sure. But I think this particular group of players in this core you know, more of it kind of falls on them, in my opinion. So, you know, I think that you're going to go through losses and, you know, things like this are going to happen. But, you know, I think the Celtics have shown this year that they've been able to come out of tough stretches of play. You know, the few times that that's happened, you know, after the Celtics lost five out of six, what do they do? They come in and win four in a row. You know, what do they do they do after losing two disappointing games on the road? they come right back and beat a quality opponent, you know? So the returns on games that, like, games that they come into after losing, they've had good mindset. So I think that's at least a positive at this point. So uh, Derek's other two Celtics questions, what percentage chance would you give Jason Tatum to win the MVP at this point? So I was thinking about this in terms of you know, some of the other guys that I think have good chances to win MVP. You know, I think if you look at someone like Jokic, you look at someone like Luka, I think the two of them probably have the best chance to win. You know, if two of them are close to having like a one in three chance, I would say that Jason maybe has a, you know, 20 to 25%. Now, I know that that sounds low, but I think If you consider 25%, that's a one in four, you know, a one in four chance. And I think that that's probably what it is. You know, Jokic is someone who's just ridiculous every single night. And I think there is a good chance that he could win it for a third year in a row. Luka has been unbelievable lately, although Jason Tatum kind of really outplayed him last night. And I think you could argue that he outplayed Luka in the first game that they had against each other. Luca obviously scored more points, but I think Jason was the better player that game too. And I think something should be said for the fact that Jason's been able to go up against other MVP candidates and outperform. Now he hasn't done that every single time, but I think most of those matchups, he's been the better player. And I think, you know, no, is that that's not the deciding factor for MVP, but I think it, counts for something. So I do think at this point, Jason's chances are about one in five or one in four. Can they improve? Absolutely. You know, I think if he is recording triple doubles with a little bit more frequency, if he's playing at a high level defensively, if he's shooting better from three, you know, and the Celtics continue to have the best record in the league, then I think his chances get even better. So 20 to 25% sounds low, but I don't think it's, you know, no chance. Like, I think it's a pretty good chance that he could win um, when it's all said and done. So uh, Derek's last Celtics question um, at this point, is Jalen Brown an all-NBA player? That's a difficult question uh, because I think there are a lot of, you know, guards right now in the NBA that are having tremendous seasons and recently playing really well. You know, you look at someone like Kyrie, you look at someone like Donovan Mitchell, you know, I think that's just naming a couple off the top, off the top of my head. And I think, you know, Luke is a guy who's a guard that absolutely has a chance to make, you know, all NBA first team if we're talking about that or second team. I think that Jalen is an all NBA player at this point in the season. I think that on a personal level, he's kind of let me down defensively and I think that other people might say the same that he's maybe not playing the level of defense that you would expect from him Um, now looking at his offensive game he's had some big games this year he's had some games where he is the aggressor he is taking it to the basket he's making shots you know unbelievably efficient from that you know mid-range spot you know I think that at this point he's an all nba player but i think for him to play better defense i think that that could solidify his spot that maybe it's higher than you know an all nba third team or second team you know that can he be able to pick up that part of his game where you know he can be clearly an all nba second team i don't think he's an all nba first team player i think think that he's gonna have to like you know be even more spectacular Um, I think Jason's pretty sure that he's an All-NBA first team at this point. Um, But I think Jason, or Jalen, excuse me, definitely is a third team selection, maybe even a second team at this point. So uh, Derek's Derek's last question, and this is actually the last question um, of the uh, mailbag, uh, Red Sox question. (laughs) And so Derek's two-part question here. do you think the Red Sox are done adding this offseason? And how confident are you in them going into the season? So what I'll say, Derek, is still about a month away from pitchers and catchers. So, you know, I think I'm still kind of waiting to see what else they do. Um, So in terms of my confidence level, I think, you know, my confidence level doesn't change with the big Devers extension. You know, 11 years for $331 million. My thoughts on this upcoming season don't really change um, because he was still going to be with the team this season, I think, regardless. So, you know, I think based on the moves that they've made, I think that it really could go one of two ways that the moves that they make end up being, you know, really shrewd and they end up paying off, you know... Um, Yoshida, the, Spanish, or the Japanese outfielder the Red Sox brought in, you know, he turns out to be an on-base machine um, and hits some home runs and is a really big-time player. You know, Trevor Story stays healthy and produces at, you know, in his prime Colorado Rockies numbers. You know, Devers continues to be just mashing the ball. You know, Tristan Castis hits for average and hits for power. Uh, the starting pitching stays healthy and the bullpen is, you know, really, really improved. So I think my confidence level is fairly, you know, average, you know, I'm not going to say that, Oh, I'm so excited or I'm, you know, so pessimistic because I think the season really could go that it either goes very positively or very poorly. You know, maybe there's a little bit of a gray area where some of those things that I mentioned aren't perfect that, you know, maybe the rotation struggles to stay healthy. You have one of those guys offensively struggle. You know, I really think it's anything's on the table. Um, But I think in terms of my confidence level, it's probably similar to the level that it is most seasons where it's not over the moon, but it's not like, oh my God, they're going to be terrible. Um, Because I still think that On paper, this team can still win 75 to 80 games, which, yes, sounds bad, but it's like if people are talking about this team like they're going to win 65 games and that's just not going to happen. Like, they're not that bad. So, you know, we'll see. But I think in terms of are they done adding, I would say no. I would say that um, you still could move some guys into the bullpen, you know, you could, there are some guys that I think could be trade candidates. Uh, I think someone like Matt Barnes, possibly. Um, I think someone like Alex Verdugo. could be moved. You know, Ryan Brazer, I think is possible. Um, Bobby Dahlbeck, I think is also a possible candidate to get moved. Uh, Tanner Houck, they didn't say that already. You know, I think that Heim has said that the Red Sox may be active in the trade market, so I wouldn't be surprised if the Red Sox do make a trade, maybe bring in another starting pitcher, another reliever. Be interesting to see what their thought process is at catcher. Uh, Reese McGuire and Connor Wong are seemingly the two guys that are going to be catching next year, and so do the Red Sox feel that they could use an upgrade there. I think that's possible. Um... You know, I don't think that they're done making moves and I don't really think anything is off the table at this point, but um, I think I like the idea of having this infield with Devers, with Story and, you know, Kike Hernandez, Christian Arroyo, do they play second? Do they play short? You know, Cassis, is he your everyday first baseman? Do you see Justin Turner getting some getting some chances at first base? you know, he's also someone that can DH, you know, I think where, where does Bobby Dahlbeck fit into all all that? You know, I think there is still a possibility that the Red Sox could make, you know, kind of a big move. You know, I don't know if it's going to be a sexy name because I don't really know of any big time names that are still out there and available. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see. So um, I think that's going to be it for Friday this week. Thanks to everyone that submitted questions. Um, Should be an interesting 2023. So um, again, yeah, thanks to all the folks who submitted questions and uh, we will be back with you folks next week.